This is our sixth, and as far as I can see, final session on these verses 14 to 18 of chapter 2. And we're going to focus on that phrase right there. Christ came. He came as the incarnate Son of God. And in his life, and in his ministry, and in his dying, he heralded, he announced, he became good news, peace. He himself is our peace. He is his own message. Peace to you who are far off. That's us Gentiles. Know how thankful we should be. And peace to those who were near, and oh, how thankful Jewish people should be, and how we both should embrace Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, as our only hope. Namely, the content of that preaching and that good news, that through him, through his cross, and through his flesh, his blood, back in verse 13, through him, we both have access to the Father, not a God of wrath, but a God reconciled to us so that we now have him as our Father, reconciled to God, anger removed, and a fatherly smile, and an infinite bounty as chapter 2, verse 7 says, upon age upon age, sharing the riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Jesus. We have a Father, and we get to go to the Father, and we get to go to the Father, according to 3.12, with boldness, in whom we have boldness of access and confidence. We don't slink into God's presence. We don't crawl into God's presence presence. We are children of God, foreordained, predestined for sonship to him. He wanted it to be this way. This was the goal of creation before creation happened, according to chapter 1, verse 5. And all I want to do today, and oh my, what a task, is to ask, how does the Spirit bring that about? Through him, not the Spirit alone, oh no, 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 through Christ and his work, Jew and Gentile and every ethnicity in Christ, gloriously accessing the Father as confident children. Father, as we look at the Spirit, the blessed, precious, divine, Holy Spirit in this book of Ephesians, teach us what this means, that in one Spirit we have access to the Father. So as I've surveyed the book of Ephesians, now looking for clues for how Paul is thinking when he says this, I have found four statements about the Spirit that I think inform us. Number one, the Spirit is the presence of God himself in us, in him in Christ, you also, when you heard the word of truth, you Gentiles, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, 
were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit moves into us and he does a a sealing, keeping work. These are my people. I keep them. And he is thus the guarantee, the down payment, down payment, meaning a foretaste of what we inherit fully has already been given to us, sealed with a down payment guarantee of our inheritance. And what we inherit is God, ultimately, until we acquire possession of it. So I think the point here is, already in this life, we have been granted the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit in us is an a sealing advance payment of the final inheritance, which is God himself in fullness. For here it is in chapter 2, verse 22. In him, in Christ, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. So this is happening to us now. We're going to look at this in great detail later. But for right now, I'm just trying to figure out what Paul means when he says we have access to the Father in the Spirit. And I'm suggesting from 1.13 and 2.22 that the first meaning is that already we are um, a habitation, a dwelling place for God. And it happens because the Spirit is given to us. So the Spirit is God present, and we are in Him, and He in us. And in that way, then, we are able to approach the Father, because the Father, by the Spirit, has already made us both in Him. In one Spirit, we are already in the Father. Here's the second observation about the Spirit in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may grant you the Spirit, may grant you the Spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. So what I'm pointing out here is that the Spirit is the agent of knowing God. Without the Spirit, we can't know God. The Spirit is the power, the presence of God, enabling us to know God. And so so Paul prays for the fullest possible experience for believers that the Spirit would enable them to know God. And the point there is that if we know Him, we can approach him. If we don't know him, we wouldn't even want to approach him and have access to him. And here it is again, this idea of the Spirit being the agent of knowing him. Chapter 3, I pray that he may grant you, that God may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit, strengthened through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that 
you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know, so to comprehend and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge. So this is why we need the Spirit. The Spirit enables us, this Spirit here enables us to experience Christ, comprehend His love, and know the love of Christ that passes the capacities of human minds to know Him. There is a knowing we must know, and it can only come by the Spirit. So I'm arguing the Spirit is God's agent of knowing God. You can't know God, and if you can't know God, you won't have access to God. So in one spirit, namely the agent that enables us to know God. Here's the third observation. Chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. When it says unity of the Spirit, I think he means the unity created by the Spirit. The Spirit, according to Galatians 3.3 and Galatians 5.25, is the supernatural power by which we are grafted into Christ and made alive and made Christians. If you live by the Spirit, having begun in the Spirit, so this unity came about by the Spirit. So when it says, we both have access to the Father, that bothness was created by the Holy Spirit. There's one more. In chapter 6, verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit or by the Spirit. Praying. Now that is our immediate way of access to the Father. We talk to Him. We come to Him in prayer. And Paul is saying that is possible only in the Holy Spirit. If you try to pray in your own strength, by your own wisdom, it won't be authentic Christian praying. It happens by the Spirit. So, when he says, through Christ, we both have this glorious, bold, confident, sweet access to our Father, so that we come with joy and confidence and expectation and happiness that we're going to find a smile on our all-providing Father's face. That is all possible because the Holy Spirit is the very presence of God in our lives, and because the Holy Spirit is the agent for knowing the Father at all. And because the Holy Spirit is the one who created this unity so that we can come together into the Father's presence, and the Holy Spirit is the one by which we pray. 
I hope that your love of the Spirit and your love of the Father and your love of the Son, this Trinitarian salvation, will grow as you ponder with me these glorious things in the book of Ephesians.